1: Up, everybody, welcome back to the 24 hour live. I am here with Dr. Finesse, and we're going to be going hard on that networking. Yes, yes, and it's so fascinating that you, of all people, are so good at networking because I consider you like wanting to be at home. I mean, you're sort yep. of self professed, yep. not somebody that would love to be out and be partying, but you are inhumanly good at networking. So
0: I, I appreciate that, I appreciate that. And you are very, very right. I, I love to be home. Uh, I remember one time, I want to say this was about three months ago, uh, we didn't have a babysitter. And my wife, Brenda, stayed home with my son, Allison. And uh, I was out and about, and I was talking to some friends. And one of my friends came up to me, and she goes, oh, man, so Brenda's home? I'm like, yeah, she's home babysitting. She goes, so how do you guys do that when you can't get a babysitter? Do you guys flip a coin uh, to see who gets to go? And I was like, no, we actually do the exact opposite. We flip to see who gets to stay home, because we're both like the biggest homebodies. That's like, so we just Will you guys like- get a babysitter and stay home? Uh, actually we've done that before. We've gotten a babysitter and we're like, take the kid out the house. We just want to stay home and watch our stories. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I know you and Lisa are also homebodies. Oh, in a big way. Yeah, we're exactly the same way.
1: It's interesting because, so the reason that we wanted to do this segment is it has become very clear to me, uh, over the last couple of years, that networking is really really important and when I was in my 20s, you know, I'd hear things like your net worth is your network. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like it it didn't click. It didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. I knew enough people to like get going. My partners and I were very a very tight-knit group. And so it felt like I sort of had everything that I needed and didn't really think about it. And then I I um we had this employee that was working with us and he ended up getting like this really um, awesome lead on a, uh, either a bank loan or investor. I don't remember which it was. And I remember going like, how do you know that guy? Mm. And he was like, Tom, when you're my age, cause he's a little bit older. Tom, when you're my age, you're going to have a Rolodex like this as well. Yeah. And I remember thinking, well, not with my current behavior. I'm not. And so <laughs> like, cause I just always want to be at home and that's yeah. my natural inclination. I'm introverted. I'm not like paralyzed. I'm not shy. I think that's important, but I am introverted. So it's like never like this compulsion for me to go out. Um, And then on top of that, you put my wife who once she started working now never wants to go out. And (laughs) I have everything I need, like the woman I love. So I I don't have the compulsion, but um, several years ago, I started to really understand the value of meeting other people, of meeting people that are like-minded, of getting fresh ideas from the outside. We were growing so fast. I was meeting all these incredible people. And I just thought I should really start to be more strategic about this, more systematic about this, but I was just kind of fumbling my way through it. Mm -hmm. So what are, one, how did you end up being somebody who's introverted in the home body, how did uh-huh. you end up in the, the job? that well, In fact, tell people what your job is here, what okay. you do, what you've been doing for a very long time at this point, okay. and how you ended up there.
0: Well, here, I'm the director of talent relations, all the guests that you see on Impact Theory, uh, even people that I connect you with sometimes, and uh, you know, just getting you out there into, into the room, because Tom always says, get me into the room. Because although he says he is uh, an introvert by nature and staying home, if you get Tom into the room, he's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to work it out. So, um, so, yeah. So, me, I book all the guests that you see on Impact Theory. And, and have for Tavis Smiley. Yeah, I've been hall, doing it I mean. for a while. I've been doing it for a while. Just to give you a quick summarized evolution of my uh, title, I uh, went to college for journalism. And I was gung-ho journalism. This is what I wanted to do. It was a very, very, very strict curriculum. They put us out there, and we had to just write daily and write the, uh, just the biggest papers, like 50-page papers that were due every oh. week. And we couldn't oh. have eight, yeah, every single week, single space, 50-page papers. And we couldn't have a single what? error. What? Yeah, a single outstanding error. Because if you did, our professor was like, that's how you get fired from a paper. That's how an editor would get rid of you. And How it was many just words is 50 pages? God, I don't even know. But I just remember I got so fast at writing because, and it had to be a story that existed in the news. We had to take it. Whoa. And, and sometimes it, an, uh, it was, one week it was an op-ed, so we had to add our opinion. Another week it had to be as objective as possible, mm. which was, was very tough to do. And it was just a tough curriculum. And, and the whole thing was, as a journalist, they, she wanted to get you out there, wanted to get you writing. And you had to go out and interview people on the street. It was either people on the street, people at the state house or people at the police station. And that's how it was in Boston. Um, It was always related to those three. Mm. And but doing that, I remember right away, that was the most important lesson that she taught us was as a journalist, uh, your network is just every element that's out there. You've got to put yourself out there and put yourself in the faces of people. You got to be inquisitive. You got to be curious. And it kind of set the stage for the beginning of networking for me. So I did that uh, curriculum. I came out here straight from Boston and I got a job at CNN. And actually, the funny thing is I got a job at CNN. I mean, I will say I interned there first, but I went back to graduate. And I walked into CNN, and I walked into a department. I didn't even know the guy. He didn't even know I had interned there. I just walked off the street. And this was in the 90s when you can actually walk into a building like that. Right. And uh, right now, it just would never happen. And I walked into the building, and I basically just asked for a job. And the timing couldn't be more perfect. I asked for a job, and he was just like, who are you? <laughs> I was like, ah, my name is Christopher. I used to work upstairs or intern upstairs in the entertainment division. And he was like, he picked up his phone. got a Christopher here. Did he intern up there? I was like, oh, is Chris here? Yeah, he's here. And and they came downstairs and someone vouched for me and he gave me a job on the spot. He's like, can you start today? I was like, perfect. Can you start today? Can you start today? today? And I remember I called my girlfriend at the time. I was like, I'm not coming home. I'm working at (laughs) CNN. And I remember just thinking, I was like, wow, I put myself out there. I just walked in there, introduced myself Mm. And uh, from there, I started working at CNN and I worked there for four and a half years. And when I was at CNN, I did everything. Uh, This is where I got to put my journalism skills and my networking skills started to grow because they would put me out. uh, Although I was a researcher, uh, I was well adept at writing and uh, speaking with people. And uh, although they didn't have a spot for me to be a reporter, they actually let me go out and report. I wasn't on air, but you would see my thumb holding the mic, it, which is crazy. I'd be like, that's my thumb. And, and to this day, you can still see my thumb. Because a lot of times if, like, say if there's an uh, obituary, a video obituary in CNN, someone passes away, and they show stock footage that CNN had accumulated over the years. Hmm. And they would mostly, you know, show footage that they have. We need to do, like, a montage of, of Christopher's thumb by, 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 out blah, in blah. the wild. That would be amazing. Exactly, yeah. And you would see my thumb interviewing somebody, and it's crazy. Um, so through that, I met more and more people, and I remember I started taking advantage of it. I had a mentor, which is very important in networking, as Tom will tell you.
1: in fact, how'd you get the mentor? Let the mentor
0: was uh the music producer at
1: CNN Denise Kwan. and, and she, you guys connected first just like connected or was it formally she's your mentor?
0: Uh, I was an intern for her, and then when I started working at CNN, um I went up to her and I told her, I said, look, um, and actually, this is how it happened I was like, i I'm a researcher, obviously, but I want to get back to what I was doing when I was interning for you. Look, I have this amount of hours, but afterwards, I I just want to follow you. uh, Go to your events with you. I will write and label the tapes uh, of all the interviews that you do. That's all I need to do. And we were out and she actually decided, hey, do you want to do this interview? I was like, what? I don't even remember who the first person was, but I remember, actually, God, I do vaguely. I I want to say it was someone like Ron Howard or something. It was like we were on the arrival line. And I did it. She was impressed. The producers were impressed back there, and they started sending me to so many events, like uh, a lot of the uh, award shows. Uh, but I- I'd mentioned this to you before. It-, it just so happened. it Took me a while to realize this, but I was going to a lot of the uh, the black oriented award shows, which right. <laughs> was cool. I was cool. I with wonder you. why. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was getting myself out there and meeting folks, uh, and then I eventually got a job at Tavis Smiley. I just happened to be at a party, and I was playing guitar and this just a bunch of us jam banding at at my friend's house. And this other guy's on the piano, this other guy's on the bass, and this one guy was on the drums. Never met him before in my life. And he goes, hey, uh, you're him, Christopher? I was like, yeah, he goes, I heard you work at CNN. I was like, yeah, I do. He goes, hey, I'm uh, starting up this show. Uh, with Tavis Smiley. Are you familiar with him? I was like, hell yeah. I used to watch him on BET and I listened to him on NPR. Mm. It's like, yo, well, we're starting this new PBS show and I'm trying to recruit people from different news outlets uh, and collectively come together and create something of our own. Would you be into it? And I was like, oh, yeah, man. And I remember I did a riff. I was like, yeah. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> And then he gave me his card and the next day I called him and I was like, hey, what's up, Neil? It's uh, Christopher McDonald. He's like, who's this? And I was like, ah, uh, you gave me your card yesterday. You said so. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 I said, hey, uh, so who do I talk to about the job? Uh, where do I send my resume? Do I meet with you? He was like, no, I, I gave you the job. Uh, I was like, what? He goes, yeah, I thought you said you wanted to do it. I was like, oh, shoot. Well, could I give two weeks? He's like, yeah, that's perfect. And I mean, and that was just perchance, right? Wow. So I started working at Tavis. and Well, let's actually back up. So mm-hmm. you have the most
1: outrageous group of friends I've ever heard in my life. I mm-hmm. won't name drop. But it's ridiculous. <laughs> and these are people that are like your friends. These, yeah. Like most of them you knew before they got famous. Yeah, so I wanna yeah. know how'd you end up, up at that party? Who yeah. was that friend? Because Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry,
0: I didn't mention that was Bill Gates. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. my bad.
1: Like, actually, what? that's funny.
0: So the friend whose house it was, uh, actually, it was two of them. Two of them are living in the house. One of the friends, um, actually, I do a book club with her, and she has it at her house. Uh, every month and casey's just joined the book club and courtney's going to join nice. um, but um the other friend who lived there she was carrie fisher's executive assistant which was cool because she would always invite us to carrie fisher's house mm. for these cool parties i'm completely name dropping i'm going to go for it um <laughs> go so all it, in yeah. and it was really and carrie fisher would have the most eclectic parties i'm talking about there was no discrimination uh, about age or, or anybody. Like in this corner, you'd see like a young starlet, and then over, I mean, and I'll name like someone would would Be like Scarlett Johansson in this car- uh, this corner, and then over here, Richard Dreyfuss and Tom Berenger, and you're like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That'll make no sense. Tom Berenger and Richard Dreyfuss hanging out at a party with Scarlett Johansson, and then Nicole Kidman over here, and then like uh, you know, what's his face, uh, John Lennon's son Julian over here, and I'm just like, wait, wait, this is crazy. And she would have these. Just a bunch of people getting together and just eating her food and hanging out and having a good time. She was like truly a great person and she knew so many people. Speaking of networking, you would go to her party and all of Hollywood would be there, and especially because her mom was Debbie Reynolds. So you would see these old classic uh, stars there also, and it would, and people would just get together and network, and you would just meet the most amazing people. And and through that, you would meet more people. Were uh, you going intentionally because you're
1: like the classic example of put yourself in danger of something? amazing happening right so you show up at the party which is like step number one Uh and was that intentional like i never know who i'm gonna meet so you know
0: what i'm gonna go uh actually no it was uh, okay i'll be honest i'll be completely honest um especially in my 20s when i was in my 20s if someone invited me to a party the homebody of me would want to stay home the natural inclination like i want to stay home but they would taunt me with a certain thing and it would always get me or i would ask a certain thing and it would always get me i would always ask is there going to be food there (laughs) <laughs> and if there was food there, I would be there in a heartbeat. It For a free never meal. Failed. For a free meal, I would show up to your party. That's how it was that I was. So this 20. is an empire
1: built on free meals. That's yeah. that's what <laughs> I'm hearing.
0: I'm telling you. I'm telling you, if there was a free meal, same thing with uh, uh events and parties. If like if I if it was just open bar, like that's it, open bar, and especially in my twenties, I didn't drink at all, like I no, I, I don't wanna go. But if there was food, I would go. Mm. And I'd pop up there. And circling back to my friends, um, it just so happened the school I went to and the school my brother went to was a school that involved um, you know, either working in the arts, uh, film, um, journalism, and television and media. So almost everyone you come out with, or at least everyone, like 95% of the people who went to my school, Emerson College, came out of here for the industry. Mm. So somewhere along the way, we're all hustling, we're all bustling, someone's going to break. Someone is going to break and become somebody. Hit, you know what I mean? Right, yeah, yeah, and hit. And then you look back and you're like, holy crap. You know, and people ask, like, well, how do you know that person? How do you know that celebrity? I'm like, actually, that was just someone I went to college with. So that's how it happened. And then the more that happens, the more people you meet. Because suddenly, I mean, you see it all the time. Celebrities get invited everywhere. It's kind of unfair. It's like they get... Crazy swag with watches and Rolexes and <laughs> iPads, and, and we get, like, wristbands. And I'm just like, come on, man. Like, hook me up. But because they get to go everywhere, you know, sometimes they take you along. Mm. And you meet the most insane people. And that so, yeah, circling back to that party. That's how I met that guy And I was at Tavis. So when I was at Tavis, I had decided um, there wasn't a focus, a full focus on the music guests. Because Tavis would interview politicians and celebrities celebrities could include musicians, but not necessarily, we didn't have a music segment, so to speak. Right. So I went to my executive producer and he was so open-minded. If you had a great idea, I love that about him. And I went to him and I said, hey, I think we should have a music segment. I was like, I don't care if, I don't, want, I don't want you to pay me more, nothing. I just want to be the music producer. I want to show you that I can create a music segment because all these other late night shows at the time were only letting artists perform. And at the end of the show, when everyone tuned out, like." The numbers are there. People tune out at the end of talk shows. They just do because they're late. And uh, music is so polarizing that people tend not to watch. But I was like, t- I told him I could bring musicians here, and I believe they would love to talk and have the opportunity to present themselves. Right. And that would separate us from the rest of the other, uh, the other late night shows. And he was like, okay. And I was like, so I can do that? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> So I had something to prove. So this was my first step of really getting out there mm. and becoming a networker. Did you, did you understand, because when
1: you break down the process now of booking and what it takes and the way that you have to understand the different people, what they look for, who their clients are, like, did you understand any of that then? Or does, is this the beginning of you
0: really sort of understanding that world? Uh, there's a phrase uh, that we all know, especially in business, I guess, uh, and that I love and I, and I live by, although it's a little scary, is to fake it till you make it right and and all I again I, I like to be home but I know when I'm out there there's something about I throw this sounds corny but I ooh look at that you got yourself a meal right thank mm-hmm. you yes yes I could I could smell it for like the last know, 15 minutes I'm like they bring in the fucking I food <laughs> like are you I messing with go. me <laughs> yeah so um, real you. quick I, I'll take a moment to give it up to this man for being for, this is like my second hour and I'm tired so. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you. Enjoy, thank your, meal, meal. Thank Enjoy you. your meal. So yeah, so fake it till you make it. And I knew that I thrive off the energy of people. Mm. I could be dog tired, but uh, just to throw this in there, I grew up an army brat and I moved every three or four years, so to speak, around the world. And one thing that, that helped me do was reinvent myself and, uh, and find a way to talk your way out of things, find a way to, to meet and, and uh, you know, just associate with all types of people. Uh, because I would always move And every time you moved You had to make new friends Regardless You had to make new friends I would leave one school I would leave Japan And then move to Kentucky And talk about a culture shock. Whoa yeah. Was that a real one? That was a real change Japan Jesus. to Kentucky And I remember thinking Right around that time That's when I really had to Figure out a way To get myself out there And talk to people And everyone was doing it Everyone I grew up with They all moved too But it helped me uh, warm up to people and appreciate people. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm just talking to people because I'm talking to people and I, and I want to be that guy. You just learn to appreciate people. And you see all different types of cultures, all different types of people in different situations, but you realize everyone has the same common denominator. You know what I mean? That they just all want to relate in some way or, or, or fashion. And you just start to learn how to speak with people, how to connect with them, you know? And not to say that I'm an expert on connecting with people and speaking with people. So let's
1: act like you are, because I think you are, Mm -hmm. certainly from my perspective. So
0: what are some of the, like, have
1: you codified what those lessons
0: are? Yeah, yeah, I I really have. Um, So I actually have a top seven do's of networking which oh! i can get to I get let's, to, yeah, let's yeah. get
1: on that camera hey <laughs> yeah now. yeah camera all right a. so
0: we've got the the seven what were the seven what the top seven dues of network all right let's hear it yeah okay so uh, i'll break them down and i'm pulling because i have it on my phone uh step away from the computer and hit the pavement all right uh we are in a world and again let me preface by saying these are my dues. they're not applicable to everyone but i highly suggest them because i've put them into action uh for almost 20 years and they work uh so we're in a world of uh computers and our phones and being able to communicate with people the age of information through our computers and phones that's just the world we're in so it's made it really easy to meet people but not having to physically meet them and i've actually had that happen like uh, there are publicists uh that i've worked with for years for years, I've been I've been communicating with them, I've booked with them since 2003, and I've never met them in person. Whoa. Ever met them in person. But in most cases, those are people who either are on the East Coast, because uh, I do with a lot of people on the East Coast, and we just never, our paths never cross. And there are people I, I've just met recently after knowing them for about 20 years. Uh, and it's crazy. So, but if they're local, it's still easy to just, oh, you know, I'm communicating with this person. I'm pitching them something, or I'm asking something of them, uh, but no, just step out and meet them. Uh, and this will correlate to the story I was talking about earlier, uh, when I wanted to be the music producer. So I, I tried to figure out, I was like, how am I gonna do this? So my first attempt was to send this email blast. I just found out who every major label publicist was. At the time, there were many because the music industry was slowly fading away or fading into what it is now, but they still had many publicists working at each uh, label. So I did an email blast. Some of them bit, some of them got back to me, but it didn't quite fully work. And I crafted like the nicest email. I just didn't want to cold call them, whatever. And then I finally decided, I was like, you know what, no, you know what? I do better in person talking to someone. And then no matter who you are, if you speak to someone, and just present yourself, oh man, it's it's, going to go a long way. So I actually started inviting all these publicists individually out for drinks. And that's one thing I learned, especially in the music industry, these music publicists, they love to drink. You know what I mean? Uh, Not that they were alcoholics, but they had a really tough job to do and they have a really tough job to do. So if you just invited them to wine, not to get drunk, just to hang out, they would come out. So just face-to-face time. And you'd be amazed at how far that goes. I mean, that sounds so cliche. Oh, get off, get off your butt and don't communicate over the computer, but so many people are guilty of doing it. I have people talk to me all the time uh, who are getting into booking or getting into networking, and they're like, oh yeah, I hit up this guy, and he, I, I can't get him to really get back to me. Have you spoken to him at all on the phone? Yes, I have. Have you talked to him on email? Yes, we've spoken on email. Have you invited him out to drinks? No, I haven't done that. Is that weird? Like What? No, that's not weird. So Although it seems so common and so, uh, you know, uh, matter of fact, uh, people don't do it. Mm. People don't get out there. So that's my number one, like hit the pavement. Because if you're not getting out there and hitting the pavement and getting the face-to-face, like just you you're dead. started. You haven't even started. Uh, my second one is just being a good salesperson. And that sounds so sleazy, a salesperson. I'll never forget the first time someone asked me about booking and asked me about my networking. And I described it. And they said, oh, so you're a salesperson. I was like, oh, God, no. I was like, I'm not a (laughs) salesperson. (laughs) I I I was like, what'd you say? What'd you call me? What'd you say about my mom? (laughs) It was basically that. I was like, don't call me a salesperson. But uh, they broke it down to me. They're like, no, you're a salesperson. Because for you specifically, you're selling yourself as a person trying to get their product, whatever, right? Or trying to. And then you're also selling the show that you work for. And you're also selling. The host, you know what I mean? And I was like, man, holy crap, I am a salesperson. Don't look at it really badly. Like, you you know, you're being a salesperson, so you should actually take a cue. And and he gave me this advice. He was like, see what, you know, some of the great salespeople do and what they did. I mean, you don't have to emulate them completely because it's not uh, fully what you're doing. But check it out so i started paying attention to great salespeople and not this person for example but you know you you interviewed one of the greatest salespeople that we know uh in our business history and that's john paul DeJoria. Mm. like you can't get any better than that guy that guy like actually went door to door and built a business a billion dollar business like, how many people can say they did that so i mean he obviously knew the value in the sales pitch so, so when you become a great salesperson, you're not just being a salesperson, you're practicing the sales pitch because that is probably the number one thing of networking Because even if you're not trying to sell somebody something, when you're networking, you're selling yourself, right? You're selling your personality. You're selling just your connection and it's your sales pitch. And, uh, and when you're speaking with someone, you don't have to be sleazy and be systematic and have a sales pitch, but just keep it in mind, keep it in mind what you're saying. And all of a sudden, it becomes second nature, like you're breathing to them who you are. And you're not just it's not diarrhea of the mouth and taking over what they're saying, but it's a sales pitch. Right. And, uh, and it just goes a long way. I mean, it's, it's a big thing in network. It's a huge thing. Um, so my number three is to be bold, but not pushy. Get out there. Be bold. Uh, don't be afraid. I mean, you see it all the time. It goes back to the high school dance. When uh, you're standing around, I never had a date to the high school dance except for prom, but you're standing around and I just remember standing around and looking at, uh, you know, uh, the girls across the way and the guys are all standing around and some guys are just going for it and you're just trying to figure out how to approach. And I just wasn't bold then. I just was not bold. I'm still not bold. God, if I, if I was single now and I had to go to a dance, forget it. I wouldn't do it. But it's the same thing with networking. How many times do you go to a party and you're like, oh my God, this feels like crap. Like, there are people over there, I just, you know. And Every just, single time. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I, I'm even guilty of it. Sometimes I'm with my wife and we're just with each other in the corner the entire night. The entire night. Mm. But if you're trying to network, uh, just go up and be bold and introduce yourself. And again, it's some people are like, that's not being bold if you introduce yourself, but it's bold to so many people. Just introduce yourself. Don't be afraid to slide into a conversation, don't straight up interrupt. Gauge it, but you get better at gauging what they're talking about, knowing that you shouldn't insert yourself. But don't be afraid to do it. People are especially at a networking gathering or business gathering, people are very welcome into that. Right. So be bold, but not pushy. Don't push yourself in there. Uh knowing to step away or just even, you know, when you're trying to sell someone on something, just don't be pushy. It's just gross. It's gross. In booking, if someone and I actually got this tip from Oprah. And I'm sure Courtney... Say what? Mm-hmm. I'm sure like I, Oprah directly? Yes, yes. Wow. I actually, uh, I did a show with Oprah, it was a short-lived show, it was a show with Tyrese Gibson from Fast and Furious fame and the singer and Rev Run from Run DMC. And it was a show about those two giving advice to women. But not like, oh, you should do this, but this is what we, how we think as men. So take that nugget and you, know, and you can get you know, what's going on in our mentality. But Oprah, uh, during the whole process, we would uh, have these meetings with her where we were developing. The show was already greenlit, but we had to develop the segments and we would meet with her. And we had this one big meeting where we were sitting around this big, long table with Oprah Winfrey. And I remember uh, they had a whole spread of food in the other room. And it was uh, a uh, make your own salad. And they capitalized O W, your own salad. And I, I was see, like, ooh. And they had all these ingredients. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And I was like, making this, I made this big ass plate of food. Again, free food. I'm going to be there and I'm going to eat that food. So I was going to ask if that's why you were at the. Yeah, the no, I was like, wait, Oprah's having a, a little gathering. Is there going to be food there? Okay, I'll be there. <laughs> so, so pretty much no, but I would have gone regardless. So I made this big plate of food. And I went into the room, and everyone was already seated. And when I get there, for some reason, out of everyone in that room, because there were about 25 people in that room, Oprah and uh, a good chunk of her staff, and then me, my executive producer, the co-executive producer, and Tyrese, and Tyrese's manager. And I sit down, and across the table is Tyrese and Oprah, and there's an empty seat across from them. And I'm I'm like, "What? how's the seat (laughs) open for me? I'm like, I'm nobody. But I guess no one wanted to sit in their eyesight. So I sat down with this big-ass plate, and I looked around, and no one has a plate. No one. I'm like, why isn't anybody eating? No one. And I was starving, Tom. My stomach was growling. And I was, like, picking at my food. I was eating my food like this. (laughs) Because I didn't want to be chewing
1: loudly while Oprah was talking. I'm literally leaning
0: away from the mic as you're telling
1: this story about wanting to eat carefully,
0: so I get it. Yeah, Yeah. it was terrible. And then, uh, but... I remember we got to the point of booking and all the attention came on me. So let's talk about guests and who we're gonna get for this show. And my executive producer was like, oh yeah. So we have all these ideas and he's talking about all these He's throwing out all these big names, like Will and Jada, Bradley Cooper and so-and-so and this person and that person, like all these big names. And I remember Oprah was like, and I was like, why is she <laughs> making that face? And she goes, good luck getting those people. I was like, oh wow. She talk, taking a dig in me, but I'm not going to get those people. And then she goes, no, 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 I'm not saying that. It's, it's just tough uh, getting those folks. And then she said, um, you know what? Don't be disappointed if some of these people don't want to do the show and just move on from it. She goes, I come from the school of if I found out no one wanted to do my show when I was doing my main stage show, if somebody didn't want to come, that's fine. I'll, don't push on it. If they don't want to be here, why do they need to be here? Don't push. So that was a huge thing for me. That was a huge thing for me. I was like, well, you know, if someone doesn't want to buy your product or someone doesn't want to buy what you're presenting to them, don't be too pushy. You know what I mean? Step away. And understand, there will be an opportunity where they'll figure out and see that you're the bomb. Just like how people, I can't believe I said the bomb. I don't think I've ever (laughs) even said that. (laughs) I don't think I've ever said that. This is the first. The bomb? I hope my wife's not watching this. (laughs) God, that's crazy. (laughs) Oh my God! Th- so yeah, this is Doctor Finesse, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Finesse. So yeah, so I mean, because there, I mean, I can't tell you enough, and I know you know this one. Anybody, there are people who have passed on impact theory. Right. There are people who have passed on you as a host, Tom Billion, because they're like, "Wait, who's this guy?" And but, and I push a little bit because I'm tenacious, but not too much <laughs> because deep down I'm like, you know what? There is gonna be a time, and I've seen this happen so many times, where you're selling yourself, you're networking, and someone's not giving you the time of day with the network, and they just kind of move on from you, but you just stay the course, keep your confidence because there's going to be failure in networking, and there's going to be people who don't want to network with you or mm. don't want it to be a connection with you. Uh, and they're going to figure it out. They're going to be like, wow, somewhere down the line, this person is someone mm. I should know. So that's just not being too pushing. Um, the fourth one, I actually have to learn myself, but this is big. And uh, this is one thing that we're all learning here. One thing that Gary Vee always pushes is be social media savvy. Mm. Because, look, we are in a new age. I was one of those people that held out. I was like, I'm not on social media. I live in today. I don't need social media. <laughs> right. Get that out of my face. And I didn't have anything. People couldn't find me anywhere. I was on Facebook years ago, but I quit years ago. And I didn't have anything. I didn't have Instagram at the time. And I just remember just being a holdout. But I was seeing people network that way. Mm. Like, hey, how'd you find out about that event? How'd you find out about that person? They were like, on Facebook. I was like, what? Facebook? Yeah. <laughs> or like, oh, Instagram. I'm like, Instagram? And to me, that was foreign. Mm. I was like, wait, you didn't just call them or show up. They're like, no, this is like, there's like a network of folks or there are pages where people talk in meetings of the minds on, online. And it's, and again, like to, to our viewers, I'm sure they're like, of course, you got to be social media savvy. Right. But there are, there are ways to be social media savvy and put that into action. And, and I say that to the folks who are, I guess, our age, who are bicentennial babies, And who didn't grow up with it, didn't grow up with it and and use the power of actually knocking on the door or going to the network. Uh, And it's kind of a juxtaposition what I'm saying about stepping away from the computer. But you there's a time and place for it. Mm. You've got to take advantage and realize uh, adapt or die. So be social media savvy. That's big with networking. Uh, Number five. This is although this is number five out of seven. This is my biggest one. Really? This is my most important one, maybe because it's an even number. I'm sure Jared likes that I have a top seven instead of a top five or a top (laughs) ten. A little odd number out, because I had a top five at first, and I was like, "Jared's gonna like cringe if he sees that." Uh, so, uh, top five, uh, don't burn any bridges. That is a no-brainer, but That's good advice. Yeah, but I mean, we all know that people get angry when it comes to people, people, people-to-people relations. People lose their mind and get angry and they see red and they're like, man, screw that person. Like not to put out any names, but you were just in a, 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 a situation that you talked about briefly here and there where uh, things didn't go as you like. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't as favorable <laughs> as you like. Right. But you handle that like a champ. We had a networking gathering, the impact hour. Next time you guys next impact hour that Cindy puts together, you guys have got to come. Even if you're not in Los Angeles, come. You meet great people. You know what I mean? As viewers, all the viewers here are great people. And uh, we've met some great viewers. So, Impact Hour. But you're at Impact Hour and you had just done that shoot and you're so gracious about it. And you realize that. You're like, you're not going to burn a bridge. Because somewhere along the way, he may figure it out. You know what I mean? And he may figure it out who you are. And believe me, I know for a fact, he's going to come running. He's gonna come running. And I, and I see it all the time. I remember I learned that really early. When I started at CNN, I interned for a lot of older folks. And there was one guy who always used to joke, he's like, You're gonna be, I'm gonna be working for you one day. Yeah, I'm gonna be working for you one day. That was his joke to the point where I was like, Oh, this guy and his joke. But I was like, That was always his goodbye. You know, how? some people are like, Hey, goodbye, see you later. Some people are like, Hey, I'll catch you later. Gonna be working for you someday. Right. That was him. And I was like, Man. But the funny thing is, Later on down the line, we ended up being uh, producing and booking partners at Tavis. I interned for this guy at Entertainment Tonight in CNN, and we ended up working on the same level. Uh, uh, Lisa, uh, for her show Sheroic, when Cassie Ho was here in in, uh, Access Hollywood, Mm. came here and covered her. I'm sitting here on the couch over here at my computer, and Access Hollywood shows up. And the reporter walks in. The on-camera reporter walks in. And I look, and I'm like, Alex? And it was this young woman who used to intern for me at Tavis Smiley. And now she's an on-air personality. And it's doing so well. And it blew my mind. I was like, wait, what? You're you're on Access Hollywood? Mm. And I remember she came to me, and she told me, she's like, wow, you were always so, so nice to me. Always so nice to me. You were the only booker and producer over there who didn't treat me like a minion. Who wasn't cruel, or who didn't like think he was holier than thou? And I was like, I, I don't understand why people think that way. That's so crazy. Because in any industry, mm. especially where we're you know the way things are going now, I mean, there were so many young people with grand ideas. There were so many young CEOs. They will be your boss someday. So don't burn a bridge. Or don't burn a bridge anywhere, up or down, whatever. Because people think it's just this directory is like this. Oh no, it's all over the place. Right. It's like time. So I don't understand why anyone in the right mind burn bridges. Uh, okay. So number six, have personality. Uh, plain and simple. Uh, I don't mean like be like, well, you know, like a a town jester (laughs) or anything, but just have some personality. You know, we all go to networking parties and sometimes I meet people at networking parties and whether it's their true personality or not, I'm not saying to fake it, but, and my next point goes along uh, these lines, just open yourself up. And I feel like it's so hard for people and they're so afraid to open themselves up. Even if your personality is like, hey, I'm John Smith, you know what I mean? (laughs) Just just try to open yourself up a little bit. You guys know
1: I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions. And I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing. And a big part of that strict diet is high quality animal protein, and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever, So you're famous here at Impact Theory for being just an unbelievably good storyteller, as evidenced by the fact that I almost spit my burger (laughs) on the floor a few minutes ago.
0: Um, Is that something that you've practiced? No, I, I, I think I get it from my mom. I have two. I think and we need so. to start inviting your mom to like yeah. team lunches because you know, your we, stories are If epic. we could invite my mom here, I'd be really excited because she's passed away. Oh, you know, I, mean, right. no, no, I mean, that's fine. Like, because she is hands down. She was like, was she passed away at her funeral? There were people showing up at her funeral. I was like, who the hell is this person? <laughs> I was like, and my dad was like, who is this? And she, that was a testament to her character. No matter where she went, she made friends. Because mm. she was such a great storyteller. No matter where she went. I even got a call uh, last week from this guy crying. I was like, "Who? who is this? And he goes, Christopher? I was like, yeah. Uh, I'm a friend of your mom's. I knew her for years. I just found out she passed away. I decided to Google oh. her. And I'd never heard of the guy in my life. And I remember there was a point where I was like, to my mom. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're getting together for dinner at some point. I'm gonna get to the bottom of that. Um, but yeah, so it's just like, but she was a great storyteller and she was so funny and charismatic. Mm. And everyone has an idol, you know what I mean? Everyone has an idol. And I have tons of idols. But man, my biggest idol, hands down, was my mom. Like, I would watch how she would talk to people mm. and watch how fascinated they were and how she would just genuinely be interested in what people were thinking and what she was saying to people and i mean right. that by saying it wasn't calculated but she would pay attention to what she was saying to people and seeing what it was evoking
1: right she's not phoning it in she, yeah, she's she's not, there.
0: yeah exactly she's very present yeah like if she's saying something and it was evoking some type of emotion of happiness she would stick to it if she said something and she saw that it would turn people off she would kind of pull back or even apologize you know right. what i mean she was very in tune and i would study my mom, she was just that person. My dad was the exact opposite. Military guy, he's probably said one and a half words his entire life. <laughs> and he, it was probably like, fuck you. That's probably like <laughs> his words. But he just doesn't say much. And my two older brothers, the same thing. They don't say much. Mm. Like, uh, so I just got that from my mom. And it wasn't even like, I'm going to try to be like my mom. It was just exciting. And I, I just got my personality from her, I would say. And the, the, so, yeah, so... My personality, I I guess, um, I know it's not everybody's personality, but just when I say have personality, again, don't fake it, but just open yourself up and realize that if you're just hanging your head and keeping your, your brow low... No one's going to be receptive. Just open up. Even if you're the most, the biggest, you know, introvert, it's not going to kill you. Mm. Now, all right. before we get to seven, mm-hmm.
1: I want to say we've got our giveaway for this segment. We're giving away books, Captivate. If you guys haven't read this, it's is absolutely amazing. We're giving Ooh. a bunch of copies of that away. And the question to win the books is what are the five love languages? What are the five love languages? Languages. Ooh. All right, so drop that yeah. answer into the feed, and later in this, we'll announce the winner of that. All right, now, great.
0: drum roll, number seven. Number seven. So you have to have personality, I say, but, but most important, and it may, this may sound like a, it's contradicting the other one, but just be yourself. Just be yourself. I mean, I see it time and time again when I go to these networking events, mm-hmm. or uh, when I'm, uh, you know, because sometimes I get bamboozled in the network events. That happens a lot. By anyway, free food. By free food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I was about to. So this example does involve free food. This is of like I'm not even thinking about that. But I mean, there's so many times like where a publisher will say, "Hey Chris, let's get let's have dinner and talk about my clients and your show, whatever." I'm like, "That's great." And I'd get to the dinner and it's it'll and be this huge table. I'm like, "Wait, what are we? Is this the Last Supper? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, why is it just like, it's just you and me?" And then all of a sudden. A bunch of other bookers would show up, like mm. the booker from Fallon, the booker from Kimmel, the booker from so-and-so, booker from this radio show. And we all have the same look on our face, like what the hell just happened? And she would just be bamboozled. But we'd all end up being forced into networking with each other, mm. right? So, but you just learn to be yourself. Like you don't you don't, you don't have to fake it and you, you're sitting down and you see it all the time where someone is just, just kind of robotic and it's hard, I get it, meeting someone and, and they just start asking the very systematic questions. No, talk about your day. Don't be afraid to talk about your dog. Don't be afraid to, to talk about, you know, your mom. You know what I mean? It's just like, don't just be yourself because, I mean, I, again, moving around all my life, that's the one thing that I've noticed that the people who were always genuinely themselves and who were honest with themselves and honest with you and mm-hmm. opened up, cried if they had to or whatever, those are the people who, not just me, who I was receptive to, I've noticed uh, who other people were receptive to. Because that's the one thing, There's, I mean, I, if there's one thing I've studied growing up was popularity. And how mm. people became popular? Not you so studied I, that because you're going from school to school to school. Going to school to school to school. I was fascinated with it because you would go from one school and this person would be popular. And you're like, wait, what? That guy's popular? Oh my <laughs> god! In my last school, he would be getting his ass kicked. You know what I mean? And it was just always. That. And there's a story I always tell that when I went to uh, middle school in Kentucky, there was a kid in my class. He was short. You know, he just had that kind of traditional goofy look. Mm. Uh, people didn't pick on him though, but he just was not—you know—he wasn't the popular kid. Uh, and but I, you know, we were cool. And I remember I felt so bad because he in class he sharted. Now, uh, for those who don't know what a shart is, it's—sorry—we're uh, getting into this, but it's when you uh, fart and, and shit your pants. And he did that, Oof. and I remember feeling so awful for him. And everyone, like, I forgot exactly what his last, na- last name was. Actually, I wouldn't say—I won't say it—but they combined his last name with the word shart. And it just was just sad. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember uh, I moved to Germany years later. I was a sophomore in high school and I moved to Germany. And there was this kid who was the most popular kid in school. He was like six foot four, handsome. He was the tight end. And I was like, man, that guy is cool. I could just tell. And I remember I looked at him and I was like, wait, why does that guy look familiar? I know that guy. I was like, oh, my God, it was the kid who sharted in sixth grade. And he had moved Ooh, wow. to Germany and reinvented himself. And became the most popular kid in school. Wow. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, that's crazy. And and I became so obsessed and fascinated with that. But the one thing I've noticed, and and, coincidentally, there's an article, I think it was like Business Journal, or somebody just put out an article recently that basically said... uh, God, I have to Google this. You can Google it. Uh, Something about the most popular people in school tend to be, or maybe it was in Captivate, tend to be, (laughs) it might have been Captivate, tend to be uh, people who are nice. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? People who are genuinely open and genuinely friendly and people are receptive to that. So that comes back to my point. This guy, he was a genuinely nice guy when he sharted his pants in sixth grade. (laughs) (laughs) And he was popular and like an all-star tight end, mm. and everyone loved him, and he was still genuinely nice. That's, it's so
1: interesting. So <clears throat> being genuine is something that I think is actually hard for people to do. Yeah. And when you look at people that really become successful in acting, or even like in my own small way, I think Inside Quest started getting good when I stopped trying to hide the things that i found interesting even if they were weird and i stopped trying to hide my enthusiasm and Mm. if somebody said something that made me go oh like i would actually do that right (laughs) and that was when like but that's real right that like great when i was first doing the episodes it was like oh that's excellent Uh, thank you for coming on (laughs) you know and it was like i had this vision of what an interviewer was supposed to be, right? And so I wasn't able to bring anything unique because I wasn't being myself. And when, as you're explaining this, and admittedly I've never really taken the time to break down why you're so good at what you do, and hearing you talk about it, I realize you're insanely likable. And there's a reason, like if somebody came and watched our team lunches it would just be like, oh well, that's the the center of attention in this universe, because everybody is is paying attention to you. Everybody wants to hear your stories. Uh, we've learned not to put the pressure on you to like start the stories, but you know you're so charismatic and everybody's so captivated and it's like if you're not there for a team lunch you'll be like oh (laughs) like there's no christopher to like tell the stories and so it it really does become clear as you're going through your list of the things that being able to be what i call in my words defenseless so when people aren't being themselves they have defenses up there they've got pretenses there's that armor Mm. that makes Mm -hmm. them feel comfortable and, but you, it's such a bad strategy because you don't respond to it in other people. What you do respond to is a guy that's totally mm. real. Real, And it admittedly, you become a filtering mechanism. Not everyone is going to respond to the real you, yeah. but the people that respond are going to respond hard. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's a mistake or an accident that of everyone here, and I'd be curious to know if everybody agrees with this. I think they will, that you seem to have the, the broadest number of friends that you've been friends with for the longest period of time, and they seem like really real relationships. Now, we all obviously only get your side of the story, so mm-hmm. secretly all of these people
0: may hate you and be like, no, fucking and Christopher saw me again. That's <laughs> um, certainly not how it reads. Yeah, I, uh, if there's one thing, if God, if I were to add a 7.5 to being yourself... Uh, and the seven dudes of networking uh, is just being loyal because loyalty goes along. Find that
1: you're, you've got a hardcore definition of that.
0: Yeah, loyal to me is I'm as loyal as it gets, almost to a fault. Um, and when it comes to my friends, since you mentioned my friends, if you're my friend and I consider you my friend, man, I am so loyal. I don't, it's like you would have to kill me for me to stop appreciating you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If I got to a point where I deemed you a friend. Like, I understand human nature. People make mistakes. People make really big mistakes. And you've got to understand at some point, it's human nature. Now, there may be, you got to just gauge how many people, how many times they've made the mistake and how many times they've wronged you. Of course. But if it's just one wrong, because I see friendships fall apart all the time over a trivial wrong. And I'm like, oh no, no! Think about it. Think about what you guys have gained and what you guys, everything you've been through. You the shared I mean? experience, the shared experiences. And I'm very loyal, and I apply that to my networking too. Oh my god! Like uh, it's here's a big thing. Another reason why it's hard for me: I don't commit to too many things because if I say yes to something, and I know you're this way too, yes, you show up. Like that one time, uh, flu gate that ran through the house when mm-hmm. everyone got the flu. And we had Jim Quick here and um, another guest. And you had uh, the worst flu. And I was like, is Tom going <laughs> to do this show? And I remember Lisa was like, Tom, you should, uh, you should uh, cancel. Yeah, we'll cancel. Uh, we'll reschedule. And you're like, what? <laughs> and because you're loyal to your guest, you're loyal to your show, you're loyal to your staff. And you always say this, and I love this. You're like, I will show up for you. And I love that about you. Thank you, man. And I think you completely get that. Just being loyal. That's my definition. I mean, I'm curious to hear. Yeah, that. well,
1: so it's interesting. I'm I am insanely loyal, <laughs> but like you, there's a ring. Mm-hmm. And if you're on the outside of that ring, I don't I don't feel an obligation. So I'm not gonna bullshit you. Yeah. I'm just not gonna show up for you. I'm not gonna go out of my way to make sure that the world is right for you. Yeah. But once you get inside that ring, then it's like it's do or die. And there's mm-hmm. got to be a group of people that really know to the core. And this is the key. They have to feel it. Yeah. Right? Not be able to recite words. They have to feel it mm-hmm. that you're going to show up. And that's you know, one of the things here. <clears throat> so by nature, I like team building a lot. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that I have absolutely, when I say zero hunger, zero hunger to be a founder. I like to be a co-founder. I like to do things as a team. I like to have a group of people that like we're all together, we're in this together, a shared experience. That's really really important to me. But it's it is so like key to who I am and important to my code that I live by that the team feel that I'm going to that I would suffer for them, lead from the front, I'm always going to show up, I'm going to play to win, that it's like no man left behind, like all of those things, but not that they can repeat that I say it, but that they feel it like Mm -hmm. in their gut. And that's hard. And one of the simple steps is if you say you're going to do it, do it. And I remember Lisa and I had committed to something and in my defense, she committed me without talking to me and she was like i am so sorry i had no idea i thought they were just asking me but i find out that they're asking both of us and so i was like well here's the great news there's no universe in which we don't show up so like you're you know for better or worse so Uh it's like if you've gotten us into something even though i wish you hadn't (laughs) uh if we're in it you told them that we're coming then it's just that simple and the clarity that comes with having that code and and being centered by that I, i think is
0: is super critical. It goes the longest way. It's like, you've got to show that you're supporting the person you're networking with. Because if you don't, they're going to think you're just out to get something from mm-hmm. them and not reciprocate. Reciprocation is a huge thing for me. And it's a huge thing in booking. I'll speak in terms of booking. You've got to scratch someone's back. Like, again, when I was at Tavis and I had to get out there and meet with those publicists and say, hey, I'm doing a music segment. And I want to bring musicians to this show. Um I had to do my due diligence. I couldn't just be like, hey, give me a you know, Jay-Z and I won't take any of the other clients. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, you, it was tit for tat. Obviously, you, you couldn't compromise what the show was, sure. but you had to. Uh, I mean, it went a long way. It showed your loyalty to the person that you're networking with. Right. Because if you show that you're supporting their needs and their cause, man, they will die for you too. It's, and it, and, you know, of course, some people will stab you in the back and, and not reciprocate. But I've found that if you're genuinely showing that you're loyal to them and you get that out of the way really quickly by saying, like, you meet someone and say, like, hey, let's get together. And one thing I always did, oh my God, it's like one of my favorite things to do. And it happened on accident the first time. Um, my wife has this thing, she always laughs and say, says, I talk too much. And my son, I, I just sometimes I wanna just blow my brains out because that kid, talks too much (laughs) and it drives me insane my mom's like I'm not my mom my brother my brother am I drunk my wife wife says where do you think he gets that from I'm like oh my god and it just would drive me insane but so this first meeting I had I remember one of the first meetings I had I was out And I met with this publicist and I wanted to see what she could do for the show I was working for. So we're having this network conversation, but we never really quite got to the meat of networking. It was mostly me finding out about her because I have this crazy curiosity about people. I think it's because I've moved around so much. I want to know where someone's from. That's what I always ask people. Where are you from? Because it kind of defines them. It really does. People act the same in different areas, so to speak. So I asked that. And then I started hearing about it, I was like, oh, my God, you're from there? Tell me about it, or this and that. I used to live there, or so on. And at the end of the dinner, we were out of time, she had some place to be. And I remember her being like, oh, you didn't even get to talk, you didn't tell me about the show, or, you know, and, and I remember I didn't get to sell my product to her, so to speak. And I was like, no, that's fine. I'm glad I got to talk with you and got to meet you, and... And I moved on. And I remember she was so excited, sent me an email the next day. It was great to meet you. Let's mm-hmm. hang out again. That was fun. Let's have drinks. I met up again. The next time it was her and another publicist. And we hit it off again. And I was like, oh my God. And it just made me realize you don't have to be selling the product every time you're networking. Take advantage of the networking and be on a level of person to person. And it was like the, one of the biggest lessons. And that became a tactic. I will admit, I became tactical when it came to that. I turned that into a tactic. I was like, oh, yeah, let's get together. And I, you know, let's talk shop. And then I'd be like, so tell me about yourself. <laughs> and suddenly, like, we hit it off. But it's, and I, it wasn't just a tactic. I honestly did one. Yeah, then you done. actually engage and you be sincere and yeah. authentic and all that stuff. Yeah. But I don't think there's
1: anything wrong with that being also a tactic, as long as the way you engage in it isn't exactly. Gross. And so that to me is really smart because that's a classic example of playing the long game, right? So never go for the sale, always go for the referral. And if you treat them well and you actually care about what's going on, look, it's going to come back. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, th- this is one thing that I love about humans is just when you take them on average, not any any individual, but when you take them on average, they're very predictable. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be interesting, be interested, right? So just mm. asking Ooh. about her, yeah, that, finding, I, don't I think I made that, that up. Um, but yeah if you want to be interesting be interested ask them a lot of questions really engage actually like people love to talk about themselves and look i'm more guilty than most people i'm literally on here for 24 hours like hey 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 let me tell you all about me um people love to talk about themselves Uh and it's just a a trait and so when you can go look this isn't going to pay off for me tonight but if i do this over 100 people and if 40 of them end up becoming something because I put in that work, five years from now, I'm unstoppable. Mm. And that's why, and I think one of the reasons that sometimes people think that I have hubris when I say that we're going to build a studio bigger than Disney is because they think, I think it's going to happen in 10 years. It's not going to happen in 10 years, right? So thankfully, it's not going to be binary. We're going to make progress every day and we're going to be doing stuff and building momentum and all that. But. I mean, this is a 50-, 60-year endeavor, and when you can think along those lines, when you can think about, okay, this is, you're really starting something grand, you have to be able to execute in the short term, but if your plans are to go all out for the next, I mean, think about what we can do, man. Like, imagine for a second that we become the U2 of, like, companies, and we just stick together, Mm. and this isn't, like, the, the average right now for millennials is... Uh, 1.8 years. They spend 1.8 years at any one company and then they move on. Wow. So the the way that you have to like retrain and you lose all that historical yeah. knowledge and all that is just really, really a travesty Um, in terms of creating efficiencies and trust and moving fast. So you two said w- we were never going to go solo. Right. So mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, Bono could have gone solo Maybe The Edge could have gone solo Mm -hmm. But they didn't And they said specifically Our career is about Finding out what happens When this group of people Stays together forever Through
0: thick and thin And
1: now how long I'm 30 years Um, I mean it's It's
0: been longer than that Crazy Yeah because I mean They were like playing The roller rink in Van Nuys Like even before They hit it big Because one of my friends Used to kind of manage them Really Uh, Or manage maybe the roller rink And they would always play This roller (laughs) rink in Van Nuys Like what Like in the it was like 81 or something like that. It was crazy. Whoa. Something very early. I mean, I'm probably getting the date wrong, but sure. yeah. But they they've been around for a very very yeah. long
1: time. So when you see them stay together for that long through thick and thin, I mean they're just they'll be one of the bands that are remembered forever. And so I, you know, I think about that and I think about what does this look like if we can really be Long term, right? Which is one of the reasons Lisa and I are so committed, not only equity, but if we never sell, that's not important. Mm -hmm. What becomes important though is enriching people through profits and making sure that you guys are incentivized like that, which is fucking fascinating to me. Um, Because cash flow is the exciting thing, right? When it's, I remember there was a time where it was very wealthy on paper, but I was like, "Uh, what does that fucking matter, right? (laughs) Like until you're able to liquidate some of it, it it literally is meaningless. And thankfully, I'm so dumb when it comes to that stuff that. In, in some of the things I see straight to the truth because I am I am literally too undereducated to get lost in the trappings. So I remember thinking, being rich on paper isn't anything. Like, until you sell it, it's totally meaningless, right? I remember thinking that, like, these, before they IPO, they're actually broke, right? And so I was like, no, 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 like, they're so wealthy on paper. I'm like, uh, I didn't spend so well at the grocery store. And let me tell you that that is the truth. Um, so you know, really like looking at how we can enrich people, how we can keep this team moving together as a collective to see what we can really do over the long run. That to me is very interesting. Um, is that flashing to to do this? Oh, do we need to wrap? Well is it been an hour? Put wrap, oh sorry, I didn't, I just, <laughs> The screen says, in my defense, it's got like a headline and then it says T's grand prize again. So uh, uh, I just kept looking at T's grand prize. I apologize. Totally my bad. Uh, so rap segment. Thank you for the flashing light. Which, by the way, I'm not. This is so cool. Look, 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 look. Like it's like everyone gathering around the campfires. It's gotten darker and darker out there. Like everyone's moving closer <laughs> like and elves. closer. Uh, it's, it's so cool. Um, but don't, don't be afraid also just to, to speak up. Like I'm not sense about that at all so if if i'm not seeing something flashing the red lights also great wiggling the the mouse all that stuff really helps Um, and i was specifically not asking questions by the way just because i wanted dr finesse to be able to get in his flow Um, so all right sadly we're out of time dude the every time i get you on camera i'm super stoked this is always a lot a lot of fun it's always exciting to me so thank you for sharing us that Giveaway. Uh, the giveaway winners are Caitlin Skisko <laughs> Wow. Okay, we're getting we're getting in the later hours here. Uh, Noah Bell, Andrea Zacharias, Brady Pure Year, Abraham Rivera. All right, so those are the people that won. <laughs> Captivate, pick it up, big it up, big it up. And to Dr. Finesse, once again, thank you, my friend. Oh, man, Always you. a pleasure.